Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined alongside Nick Brettwish. You can find him on Twitter at StixPicks. And we're also joined by Spencer Aguiar, whom you can find on Twitter at TeeOffSports. This week, we'll be breaking down the Mexico Open at Vidanta. It's a weird odds board this week with John Rahm all the way at the top around plus 260, Tony Finau around plus 800, and no one else shorter than 18, 20-ish to one, depending on where you look. So we'll break down how we're attacking the top of the board. If anyone has the guts to bet John Rahm or chicken out and bet John Rahm, depending on how you look at it, and who we're betting Otherwhere, other places on the board. So without further ado, let's get into it, fellas. Spencer, I'll start off with you. What is your best bet for this week's tournament? It's a tough question, Roberto. I mean, what is my bet for the tournament would be where I would start this. And, you know, like in the spirit of the NFL draft and in the words of the great Marshawn Lynch, I am just here today so I don't get fined on this show. And that's kind of my (laughs) mentality that I'm going with it. I, I think the one answer I will give, though, is I am looking to take on Grayson Sig in a head-to-head matchup. And there's a couple ways you can do it, whether that be a Lanto Griffin wager, an Andrew Novak wager. I think that's probably my preferred route to go this week, but like those are the only two wagers that I officially have in right now. All right. How about you, Nick? Just want the full card? <laughs> well, just one best bet for now, and we'll get into I'm going to go, family. all right, best bet. It's a good tournament for him. He's long off the tee, good long iron player, terrible putter. I'm going to go Kevin Roy, top 40, two and a half to one. So plus 250. All right. So we're ready to be hurt by Kevin Roy once again. Yep. I'm going to go with MJ Duffy over Cameron Champ. It's juiced at minus 140, but I really want to take on Cameron Champ. We'll get into why in just a little bit. Spencer, break down your best bet for this week, please. Yeah, so like essentially, and and by the way, I like both of your wagers that you just said. Um, I I think Kevin Roy is a route that you can potentially try to look at in a top 40 market. And 
I really like MJ Duffy this week. I considered trying to take him 51st or better on the bet 365 market. Mm. That might be another way to go about it. But my numbers also have Cameron Champ as a fade candidate. I think a lot of people want to play him because you look at the distance and it like makes sense for that reason. But like Duffy was a top 10 golfer for me with the way I ran it. And it's a limited wow. sample size. And I don't know if I necessarily trust some of the information from that, but like I more so know that Cameron Champ was outside the top 50. So I think those are really encouraging things. But uh, the player that I was mentioning trying to take on in Grayson Sig, I, I think he's a golfer that hasn't really shown anything this year to warrant where he is on on the pricing. So uh, he hasn't been inside the top 45 and 11 starts this season. I think that's getting overlooked since he landed 33rd at this track last season. Uh, if you look at the distance plus long iron ranks, that graded 106th in my model. The weighted T to green expectation was 88th. That's over 40 spots below his baseline. So, so whether that's a wager against Alanto Griffin or an Andrew Novak, or depending on where you can find it in the space, I think there's a lot of ways to try to take on SIG this week. And uh, that's probably one of my preferred ways to do it. All right. I think that makes a ton of sense. And you've got to find fake candidates in a field where a lot of guys don't have as much data because they haven't been playing on the PGA Tour as much. And you don't know how to back players in some of this field in this field as well but it should be interesting with this being a course that isn't doesn't have a ton of data because we've only played one prior tournament here but we'll get into how we're analyzing the course just after our best bets nick how about why you're backing kevin roy this week the slow sticky greens i think that should help a bad putter like kevin roy so really that's the only issue that i have with this game like i said earlier he's long off the tee it's a guy that I've kind of been keeping my eye on ever since the Honda Classic, which I believe he finished right near the top 20. I did have a long top 40 ticket on him then. So I still think I am plus life on betting Kevin Roy. I'm getting close to to getting the even or if not negative. So this week will probably make or break that. But I do love the long iron play. We know all about a lot of the approach shots are going to be 200 plus yards. That is something that he excels at. He is a beautiful ball striker, just has his issues with everything short game around the green and putting. And I think out here um, that should be alleviated a little bit. So I will take a good number on a guy that I think is probably a top 35 upside golfer on this golf tournament. So at two at uh plus two fifty, I have that at plus one ninety for the top 40 market. So it's by far the biggest edge that I have this week. Um perceived edge, I'd just say, because obviously my numbers like Kevin Roy a lot more than Kevin Roy probably likes playing golf. So <laughs> we'll go with that. But I I do think that with the weak field that this is probably a time that I could still get long odds on a guy that obviously is not going to be in an elevated event or compete and stuff like that. So I think it's a great tournament to buy low on a, on a really good ball striker. Who's a long hitter. I like the play on Kevin Roy. I think that there just aren't a ton of great ball strikers in this field. So having one whose strengths, especially from long distances are amplified this week and his weaknesses are minimized is something that I'm going to try to echo throughout my card as well. And speaking of that, I'm going to be playing Daffy over champ this week. Champ has really been on the struggle bus. Uh, one thing in addition to all the numbers is that I've seen him call tournaments uh, for him on PJ Tour Live where he just doesn't look healthy, like bending over gingerly to grab the golf ball. Uh, that was a few months back. I'm still not sure how healthy he is, uh, but that's just concerning to start off with. Anyways, he's missed six straight cuts. And this year on the PGA Tour, he's played in 11 tournaments with track data. He's lost strokes on approach in 10 of them. And he's lost strokes around the green in nine of them. And 
around the green, his two tournaments where he wasn't negative were very minusculely positive. So really, he hasn't been positive on strokes gain around the green in any tournament. Putting also isn't his strength, and he's only made three of 14 total cuts this year. He's outside the top 175 in strokes gained approach around the green and putting. So outside of just bombing it out there where he isn't great with driving accuracy, it's really been a struggle for Cameron Champ. So why is he even in the price range of MJ Doffy? Like how could they match him up against him? Well, it's because he finished high for six last year here at the Mexico Open at Vidanta. Once again, it's only the second playing of this tournament on the PGA Tour and at this golf course. So I am not putting too much into that. It's a very small sample size and the field's not necessarily the best last year. Uh, once again, John Rahm was, I believe, in the plus 450 range to win this tournament last year, and he did. So second straight year of not a great field in this event. As far as why do I like Daffy? Well, it's because he also has distance off the tee, just like Champ, but he's made seven straight cuts, and there's a big difference in form between Champ and him. Two of those made cuts and two of those make cuts came in opposite field events. Sure. So lesser fields and one at the Zurich as well last week in a two man event, but overall he does have some solid form on approach. He's average this year on the PGA tour, just about one fifteenth, And that's much better than being a huge weakness. And finally his biggest weakness in his game is his putter. But like you said, Nick, the passable slow greens might help him out. And hopefully they help out some of my other plays later in the card and by plays i mean one play because i only have two bets for this tournament so without further ado spencer you want to give us an analytical approach of how you're looking at modeling vidanta vallarta this week the course um designed by greg norman which eventually the pga tour i believe next year is going to move to this tournament to cabo to a course designed by tiger woods so last chance to get bets in here at vidanta vallarta yeah, I, I think if we look at how this venue played last year, it was probably very expected to what the norm would have been for it. Like when you look at this layout, there's wide open fairways. There's virtually no rough. Uh, essentially, it turns into a bomber's paradise. However, I think the answer goes beyond some driver heavy course that will entirely remove all danger from the equation. So the first point to note for that answer stems from the sticky grass that we're talking about here. I think a couple things come into play. So yeah, you're going to be able to bomb and gouge, but you're going to remove a lot of that rollout from the equation. So I think while the expected driving distance did see a 13 yard increase over expectation, that grass type factor mixed with the venue being played at sea level only further enhanced that notion that you better be comfortable with a driver in hand, but it's not going to necessarily give you the yardage that you still want at the end of the day. Like, yeah, these guys are going to take the driver and they're going to hit it as far as they can. And that's never a bad thing, but there's a reason why we saw an astronomical 42.3% of second shots from beyond 200 yards last year. That's a total that placed 19, 4.4% above PGA average and per projected influence. Um, you know, that skill set requirement, kind of highlights that bomb and gouge meets long iron savant sort of way of going about it. But um, like, to me, those are the two really important things. And, you know, we can talk about this outright board and John Rom being sub three to one to win this event and kind of a lot of the win equity being up in that area. And I think we'd all give the same answer, unfortunately, like it's not the best board when it's fine that John Rom is, let's just say, I mean, he's three to one just to give a nice safe number there. 
it's fine if he's three to one if other players got inflated in the on the odds board. Mm -hmm. That's not what we got. Like we got kind <laughs> of bad pricing across. I will say bet three six five probably did the best job of not having it like you have a little bit of better value there, but like that's my reason for why I don't have an outright bet this week. It's it's a mixture of yeah, Rom is the favorite to win, and he very well may win the tournament, and I'm fine taking him on. I don't have a problem with that if you gave me better prices in the space. And uh, without having that, I think we are completely dart throwing into a board where, I mean, I guess you could make an argument. And I mean, Roberto, Nick, I'd love to hear your answers to it. But I would say there's maybe three or four guys that you could consider for an outright. And if you want to take some of those like 50 to one plus shots, that's fine. But like really to me, it's like bet one or two outrights and call it a day until an in-tournament perspective. I completely agree. And Spencer, I know you track the whole percentages from odds boards across the golf industry each week. Can you share what the whole percentage was this week and what, say, maybe the average one is throughout the PGA Tour? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was once. So I pulled from a couple books um, to get like an aggregated total from that. It was 171.54%. Yeah. I, I would say an average week, and it's gotten a little bit worse this season. Like I would say in 2022, we were in the 140% range. There's a lot of weeks recently where we've moved this into 150-ish. I mean, this is the highest I've ever seen, though, by legitimately probably 15, 16%. I don't know if I've wow. ever seen a board that's higher than 155%, and that's usually as bad as you can get. So that's the exact answer that I just talked about. We removed ROM from the equation from being able to be bet by moving him down to sub three to one, and nobody else got enhanced on the board. And this is where you reach this territory now where really nobody's bettable at the top unless you can find somebody a little bit further down, which there are a handful of guys. I don't think it's a board where like you can't find a shot or two to take. And I know Roberto, you have somebody that I think is very interesting to do it. And I mean, if I'm just throwing out a couple of players that I thought were intriguing, like I, I guess the one name I would give, maybe I'll give two. I, I would say Joseph Bramlett might've had a little bit of value if you want to shoot for that boomer bust nature. Uh, and then I seem to have a sickness and every single week I want to bet Alex Smalley. So I thought Smalley's number was somewhat intriguing, but like those were really the only two guys that I kind of considered. Nick, can you break down your outright card this week? And if you have anything else to add to the course description or course analysis, feel free to go ahead. No, I, I mean, I would 100% agree with everything that Spencer said. The only guy that I really found value on, again, my numbers didn't have John Rahm quite as high of a win equity as what the books have, but I have him at 4.2 to 1, so 4 to 1. Like, it, I mean, it's still the, the shortest number we've seen all year, and I think the shortest number I've ever seen outside of the Tiger Woods era when he was absolutely on fire and even then i wasn't betting so didn't mean a whole lot to me at the time but i took another homer uh we all know who this is going to be if it's kevin roy then the other side's got to be will gordon uh 75 <laughs> to one i believe is still the best price out there a lot of the sharper books that i like to keep an eye on and the movements there seem to respect him a little bit more than your everyday uh classic sites that you see in the legal states um, my numbers had him right around 69 to 70 to one. So very minimal value there on Will Gordon. But again, a very good long player off the tee with long irons and putting his, you know, short game, kind of the same makeup. I guess he's a, he's a rich man's Kevin Roy. He's longer off the tee. His long iron plays a little bit better. The pedigree's there. We know he's a, a very talented golfer and should come on the scene here soon and win a tournament. 
you know, maybe John Rahm gets out of the gate slow and I could take Will Gordon to go first round leader, but I have not checked the weather yet. I'm assuming it's going to be a morning wave on Thursday is probably the, the better weather edge just because of how windy it is out there in general and what we've seen last year. But again, like you guys said, very limited data sample. So Will Gordon's going to be my guy. And I think I know John Rahm's an early tee time. Maybe we go John Rahm first round leader. I think I did see 10 to one in that market. And then that's, that's gross, but he is a very good round one player. So I'll go with Will Gordon though, as my one outright ticket. And maybe if you guys want to talk me into Kevin Roy, I believe there's a 450 to one out there. So, I mean, by default, I got to take it. Right. (laughs) I I want to say on the John Rahm answer there, um, double check and maybe it will, will be there by the time this airs i want to say john rom's 11 to 1 on bet 365 that's not like later. that's not terrible i mean i he did the actual show with, uh, with sobel what, what and we took john rom go ahead guys he, sorry he is 11 to 1 on bet 365 for first round leader i, I agree with you nick on that i, I kind of like that. it yeah i kind of like it also <laughs> I mean, I took him at 16 to one at Augusta with Sobel and it ended up being a, you know, chopped the pot a little bit, but still got done. I even taken a triple on holding. You chopped my Hovland pot though. So yeah, (laughs) sorry about that. But you know, like if we really think the guy has that much win equity and you get that much of a inflated number when he's on the perceived better side of the weather edge to the public, at least 11 to one's not terrible i'm disgusted i even have to talk about something that short in a somewhat outright market but i don't hate that i think that's probably the way i would go for john rom exposure it's gross that we're on this show and we're talking about first round leader plays as like the best wagers (laughs) we can find and that's where the value is but i kind of would give that answer for the whole top of the board like that to me where the value is is if you want to bet a guy like john rom or Wyndham Clark is 33 to one at bet three, six, five. I think that's a very intriguing number. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Yeager's 55 to one. That kind of intrigues me. Alex Smalley at 60 to one. Like those are guys that I would be considering the first round leader market. Those that's the most volatile wager that you can make on the board. But like, other than that, I don't really have much intrigue in getting involved from a futures outright standpoint. I think that just on the board, whether you're looking at it for first round leader or for, the outright market, once you get to about 80, 90 to one, the quality of player really drops off and relative to the other players where I think there's just about zero win equity for those players below that. And if you even took John Rahm away, I just don't think that a lot of those players have a chance. However, I do think there are a few players in that 20 to 50 to one range in the outright market whose odds are much more palatable in the first round leader market. So I do think if you want to bet some of those players, like a Nikolai Hoygaard, someone whom I'm really high on, but the number is just way too low in the outright market. Maybe a first round leader is the way you want to play him this week. Uh, I haven't played any first round leader market or any first round leader bets below 50 to one. I'm intrigued by uh, my outright play that I'm going to get to in a second. And then also Will Gordon, because we know he's a first round leader specialist. And then also Akshay Batia, someone who is, the epitome of volatility on the PJ tour right now. Uh, but without further ado, I'll get into my outright pick. I bet Luke list at 90 to one at open. You can find him at bet three, six, fives enhanced win at 80 to one to win the tournament. And why am I betting Luke list? Well, he has high upside from T to green and the putting surfaces might help him this week. Just might. Uh, we know he is 
one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour. In his first 11 track starts on the PGA Tour this season, he lost strokes on the putting greens in all 11. However, in the last five, he's gained strokes putting in two. Yes, not the greatest glowing review, but there's some progress there. I got to follow him in our feature group coverage on PGA Tour Live last week, and he was absolutely striping the ball. I was surprised to see that in the field this week, and as far as strokes gain off the tee, he leads every player on the tour this season in strokes gain off the tee. So he is really long, and I saw him flight some three woods and long irons from over 250 yards and put them on the green, get him to stop like a butterfly with sore, with sore wings. And he just has that tee to green game that gives him upside in a field that relatively lacks upside. And when you have players like Nikolai Hoygaard, um, among others in the field who are much shorter than him, who have great games, but have never won on the PGA tour and other players like a Brandon Wu who played well here last year, finished in a tie for second, who's shorter than him. Um, I think there are just too many players who are priced ahead of him. He's got upside and I think he might be turning the tide a little bit. And also his long iron game gives him such is such a strength for him. And when you compound that with the wide fairways that is going to allow him that are going to allow him to take the big stick off the tee more often, I think he's got a chance. And when you look at the one course he's won at before at Torrey Pines, another bombers paradise, obviously tougher green complexes over there, which also minimize his putter. Although in the final round, when he won, he was positive strokes gain. That was probably the best putting day of his life. And one of the only, I think five, positive strokes game putting rounds he's had over the last year and a half. But anyways, I really like Luke List. I think the upside from Tita Green is gives him the ability to beat John Rahm if John Rahm has the putter go sideways and approach isn't perfect for him. But I just don't think there are that many other players who can get it done against big-time players. Remember, Luke List won in a playoff over Will Zalatoris as well. So he's demonstrated that he can win. A lot of guys here haven't demonstrated that they can win, especially in big time fields. So I'm on Luke list. I might sprinkle him as well for first round leader. Yeah. I, I think you said it best there, Roberto. Like it's not a foregone conclusion that John Rum wins this event. I don't think that's the answer that any of us are giving for why we don't have a ton of outright wagers here. Uh, I think Luke list has that prototypical skill set that you would hope could beat a player like John Rum at this course. And like, that's kind of the answer I've given to everybody this week. It's, Find me the golfer that's long off the tee that has that 200 plus yard proximity that's going to be up there. And that's the player that's going to take John Rom down if somebody does. And when I added those two things together as a 50-50 split between distance and then I ran it from proximity from 200 plus yards. I also ran it from a weighted proximity to look at all the numbers. But when I ran it from just distance and long iron proximity, Luke List was seventh in my model this week for that. Now, number one answer was John Rahm. I think there's like, that's, you know, John Rahm is the best player in the world, but that's also the John Rahm skill set of when you think of tournaments that he wins, he uses the distance off the tee. He uses the long iron play. It's a really good course setup for him for that reason. But there's a bunch of guys that fit into that mold there. I think a Wyndham Clark fits that. I think Gary Woodland fits that. Mm. Uh, if you want to go deeper down the board, Sure, Luke List fits that. And then we can get really gross on some of those wagers we talked about with like a Joseph Bramlett and people like that. But um, that's the that's the skill set that's going to win this tournament at the end of the day. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. As a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offers available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Guys, Spencer, I think you said you're done with your card. Nick, do you have any more plays before we get into our rapid-fire round? No, sir. Let's do it. All right, so... I know that we all have room on our cards. Yeah. So I'm going to try to pit some players together here. We'll look at it from an outrights perspective. But if you have any other strong opinions on these players, feel free to get into them in more in more length since we haven't talked about a ton of the players. Um, I know that, first off, let's start with John Rahm. What number would you need to bet him this week outright before the tournament starts? And do you have a strategy for trying to bet him in tournament? I don't know if I don't know if you're gonna get an opening is the thing. Like if he does just face plant on day one, I still think there's a reasonable chance that the number that comes out in the space is like seven to one to win this tournament when he's ten yeah. shots off the lead. So I don't know if you're gonna get an opening. Like if you could have told me that I could have, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I, I know the true odds of this. I, I would say is probably like for me probably closer to four and a half, five to one. And that's might even be pushing it. If we're being honest, I, I would want like seven to one. If I was really going to bet it just when it comes down to the exposure that you have to put down to make this wager. I completely agree. How about you, Nick? Eight to one. I mean, that's what he was at Augusta. I know that we're never going to get that number, but even then I thought it was too short and he was my favorite golfer in the field um, numbers wise and everything. So I think it's just a personal thing, but I think my way to get exposure, we kind of touched on it earlier. I think I'm okay with going right back to first round later. I like it. I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, I think at the top of the board, everyone understands John Rahm is in a class of his own. Then it's Tony Finau. Then after that, I think there's a little bit of room for interpretation. So just looking at Bet365's odds board, third and fourth, they have Wyndham Clark and Gary Woodland. Which guy would you want from an outright perspective more this week? Woodland or Clark? Spencer? I, I guess I'll take Clark. I mean, just to very quickly run through this in it. And I guess like part of this tells me that my model is probably correct with it or at least the sports books are correct like we're kind of like in the same line of thinking here so rom is one on my model Finau's two Wyndham clark is three gary woodland is fourth patrick rogers is fifth i think it's a very small deviation between any player that's not named rom and Finau from that point it's a it's a very minor difference but i love what what uh Wyndham clark has done in 2023 like he turned his approach game around 
there are websites out there that I trust that believe he's a top 30 golfer in the world at this point. And I've seen him even a top 25 golfer. I think you're kind of seeing it in my model is like, I run it from such a long duration of time that sometimes it's a beat slow to make some of these moves. And you can just mm. see every single week when I update these numbers and I move it a little bit more into just pure 2023 data, like he is skyrocketing up the list for me. So uh, I guess I would say Wyndham, but like that's the same answer that Nick just gave with Rom, where my preferred way to bet him would probably be as a first round leader bet versus trying to bet it as an outright. And Spencer, to your credit uh, for Wyndham Clark, this is as of last week. Wyndham Clark on the PGA Tour in four prior seasons, never better than 170th in strokes gained approach. But as of last week, he was 37th. So huge jump there for him. And that's why, a guy who is a bomber who can also putt a little bit has become instead of just someone who is maybe a trendy first round leader pick to a person that is third on the board in a PGA tour tournament to actually win outright. Um, Nick, what are your opinions between Clark and Woodland this week? Clark all day. I all just right. trust Clark so much more. I know Woodland's been popping lately and I, I think, you know, especially in terms of DFS, everybody's going to try to play him too. Everybody's talking about him. Give me William Clark all day long. He's just so much safer and when push comes to self, he's one of the best putters on the planet too. So I know we we downgrade putting, but still, if it's a head-to-head matchup and they check a lot of the same boxes, give me the guy with the better putter. Fifth and sixth on the odds board at Bet365, two Stanford Cardinal players with high pedigrees who've never won on the PGA Tour before. Patrick Rogers and Mav McNeely. Which one would you rather have to win outright? I'll start with you this time, Nick. Wow. I'm going to go with Patrick Rogers. We know the forms there. And again, McNeely's best weapon is his putter. And if that's downgraded a little bit, give me Patrick Rogers in the recent form. I will also take Patrick Rogers. The one thing I will say about McNeely is I, I think from a leverage standpoint in DFS contests, uh, he's a very it. interesting route to go just because nobody's mm. going to want to take him. But we're talking about winning this tournament and nothing matters on the back end of that. I, I really like Rogers this week. How about how about Hoygard, Benion, and Bo Hostler? I'll start with you, Spencer. I I like Hoygard. I, I I don't know if I love the number that we have to get there, and maybe like you said, Roberto, maybe it's a better first round leader bet or something like that. I'm kind of out on Benon this week. Um, my model is a little bit lower than consensus. Um, that that doesn't mean he's going to mess up or he's going to miss the cut or anything like that, but. I think when I start seeing some deviation differences, like it's enough of a reason for me to at least say, I don't want exposure in that route. And like at the end of the day, he's a better matchup bet than a person who I believe is going to win the tournament. So like, that's like that's safety over upside, I guess would be the answer. Nick, how about you? I'm going to go Hoygaard. I mean, the guys literally when's the last time he, I know it's more year or two or he hasn't finished outside the top. 35 top 38 at the uh hero dubai desert classic but i mean he's playing in good fields over there it's not like it's a it's a landslide tournament that you know it's not like this tournament the mexico open i'm gonna go with hoygaard in the uh in the upside of him just ben on and bo hostler i don't know it's just guys i don't really ever care for i don't think my numbers ever like them either they kind of pop in certain spots but it seems to me like anytime i watch them it seems like they have a very hard time putting together four decent rounds to stay in a tournament on Sunday. So I'm going to go with Hoy Garden, the upside there. 
Yeah, the one thing I will say about Hostler, and, and I think Nick kind of just said that best right now, it's like Hostler's popping in certain parts of my model and then not in other places. But uh, he was fifth for me in the weighted scoring that I ran to try to mimic this course. Mm. So um, I, I guess from an upside perspective, that's at least noteworthy. But I, I don't know. Like a quality putter is never going to be the player that grades well in my model. And I have maybe played Hostler once in my life of doing this. So that kind of shows that I'm just never going to pick him. Like if I'm given a choice of a couple names. Even though I do have the hook'em hat on, I think Bo Hostler might be the most overpriced player in this field. Um, at least shorter than 50 to one on the odds board. I don't see him winning this tournament. I think he got a little bump from playing with Wyndham Clark last week, but Compared to the other players in his price range, I think there's a considerable gap. Considerable gap. Benny On's a player that I'm intrigued by, and he went from being consistently one of the worst putters on the PGA Tour to a decent putter this year. So I'm intrigued by him. I think that as a long shot bet in a future tournament is a way I might be trying to back him, but at 37 to 1 this week, absolutely not. Well, let me... also someone I'm intrigued by at at other places who I think can take on some of the bigger dogs on the PGA tour as well. Let me ask you a question then, Roberto, we'll talk about mm -hmm. Bo Hostler for one more second. Let's say it's Bo Hostler versus let me go somebody a little bit lower on the board. Um, I won't use Luke list. Cause I know where you think with that. Uh, let's say Bo Hostler or Lee Hodges, who would you rather have between those two? I don't want to bet either of those guys outright. Um, I guess. Hmm. I don't want to bet either of those guys outright. I guess I'd say Lee Hodges just because I think he's got a better all-around game, even if Hostler might be better with the driver um, as far as driving distance, but it kind of depends on the course. This week, I think Hostler definitely gets a boost with the course playing long. However, I just don't trust him on a Sunday afternoon, especially when you saw, again, another 54-hole lead this week, another one where he wasn't even really that close coming down the stretch. I just think mentally there's still some hurdles with him as well. So that also gives me pause. Whereas Hodges, we have, who knows, it might be the same case for him, but we just don't have the data. Um, I'm not comfortable backing Bo Hostler to win outright, really regardless of the number right now. Uh, well, not regardless of the number. There's always a number. But um, anything less than 100 to 1 to win a tournament, I wouldn't be wanting to bet it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of generally agree with that. That's why I didn't have him on my outright card. But I would say he's a fringe I don't know, top 15 player for me this week in this field. Like, I, I just want to point that out. Like, I, I kind of like him for this tournament. I don't necessarily think he's going to win the event. And if I'm comparing him directly to Hoygaard, I would rather have Hoygaard in that spot. But I, I think Hostler's interesting. I don't even know in what sense, because like, where can you really bet him? If he's not an outright bet, maybe you can find a matchup against him that would make sense in the market. But uh, he was like, this is the highest he's graded for me historically. Like this is usually a spot Roberto where like he's a hundredth in my model and for him to be pushing top 25 range, like that kind of opened my eyes, even in a weak field. Joel Damon said it on the Netflix documentary full swing. Hey, someone's got to be the 70th best golfer in the world. And <laughs> someone's got to be the 15th best golfer in the field this week. Yeah. Um, I don't hate backing Bo Hostler in a matchup or if you want to fade him, Go ahead, but I just don't think that upside is there. That's why I don't want him. That's fair. Market. But um, hopefully he he proves me wrong at some point. Um, it would be awesome to have him emerge as one of these players 
uh, emerge as an, a tier above where he is on the PGA Tour because people forget Scotty Scheffler wasn't the best player on those University of Texas golf teams. It was Bo Hostler. So if he can unlock some of that potential, maybe get through some mental hurdles at some point, that would be awesome. It would be cool to have another player to contend with on the PGA Tour every week, somewhat like a Wyndham Clark has taken that kind of step this year. Um, moving on to guys that are at 50 to 1, Alex Noren, Steven Yeager, and Emiliano Grio. Nick, which one of those guys would you want the most on your outright card? I, I got to go with the German hammer again, Steven Yeager, just okay. the most complete golfer. Um, also checks every box I'm looking for this week. Um, one day he's going to win soon, but I'm going to go, I'm going to play a favorite, Steven Yeager. I think Yeager is very sneaky this week to win this event. He so was I someone I, I liked, but I just didn't love the number at. But same. maybe we get someone go out a little lower or we get an early bogey from him. We get a 100 to 1, maybe a little sprinkle there. Spencer, I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but Aaron Rye, Alex Smalley, and Taylor Pendrith. Who would you rather have? Smalley. Yeah. I, I, my <laughs> numbers just love Smalley every single week. Like when I run the math from an upside perspective, like specifically for this term. And I know this is getting way too aggressive with it. I, it legitimately thought he was a top 10 player in this field. So I don't know. I mean, the math has never been correct. It doesn't seem like he never really, I will say this though. Like there's a lot of placement market bets that I have hit on Alex Smalley over the course of, I would say the last eight months or so. It's just these outright wagers, continue to be bet over and over again and not going that route this week. Although I did take him first round leader at 60 to one at bet three, six, five. And uh, I kind of over bet it. Like I had it for 0.15 units to win nine. And I usually only bet to win three units on first round leader bets. Uh, so I went three X on that spot. And this might be the situation where Smalley just pays me out for the rest of time. All right. You might be talking me into Alex Smalley, at least in the first round leader market. Nick, what about you? Who's the third option? I got Pendrith and Smalley. Who's the other guy? Aaron Rye. Aaron Rye. I'm not an Aaron Rye guy. So I will go with my numbers got Aaron Rye at 49 to 1. They have Smalley at 61 and they have Pendrith at 76. I'll go with Rye. He's playing good golf. I'll take Aaron Rye. Yeah, I, I would rank it Smalley, Rye, and Pendrith. I think Rye is very close to Smalley if you're directly comparing the two. I don't know that it's necessarily the best course fit for Rye, but I do like his game on just your average PGA Tour golf, golf course more than a lot of the other players in this price range. Yeah, Pendrith is an solid. interesting player who, after that injury last year, had a run of about two months where he was playing great golf. I think all top 13s to finish like six of the last seven tournaments of, of the tour last year, but really hasn't had it this year. I think he's intriguing to back from an upside perspective. Uh, but the floor for him definitely is lower than a lot of the other players in this range. All right, guys, two more of these. Ben Martin, Brandon Wu, and Robbie Shelton. Nick, which one of those guys would you like the most? Ben Martin. My numbers love Ben Martin. I got him proper at 52 to 1. Looks like the market, I think, is right around 70. So it is an edge there. Again, I just don't think he's got win equity, but I think that's a good spot for Ben Martin. How about you, Spencer? I'm much lower than Nick is on Ben Martin. Um, I don't necessarily, like, I have Ben Martin, like if I'm just looking at a, a rank standpoint in my model, uh, he is 40th overall. Now, when I ran this for safety, he jumps up to 15th. Maybe that's the answer, you know, where I kind of agree with Nick there to where you have the safety. I don't know if you necessarily have the upside 
Um, but if we're talking about upside, I guess I will go Robbie Shelton. Let's talk Ben Martin just a little bit more. Uh, let me find his top 20 number here. Plus 210 for top 20. What do we think about that? And I, I think he's a top 40 guy, and that's, I don't know. I just, I have no upside grade at all on him. Minus 120 for top 40. <laughs> I don't think I can go a negative number. I, yeah, I just like the problem for me is I don't want to lay juice on a player yeah. that is a hundred and fourth in my model for distance plus long iron proximity. Um, there are things to like about him in other areas, but like that's enough of a reason for me if I if I'm thinking that the long iron proximity is going to take a hit in his game and like you don't really have I'm not going to read through every single number here, but like if you break this down from let's say proximity 150 yards and in and proximity 150 yards and over. There are multiple of those 25 yard buckets where he's inside the top 25 of this field from within 150 yards. He gets progressively worse the longer that the course gets. Mm. And I, I know you could make an argument that like, this is the best form that we've ever seen from him before, but I don't know. Like you're really paying in, in my eyes, at least you're really paying a premium for what he's done recently. I think that all makes a ton of sense, and the price just doesn't fit this week, unfortunately. Um, all right, one more, guys. We already touched on Will Gordon, so I won't include him, but Garrick Higo, Andrew Putnam, and S.H. Kim. Spencer, we'll start with you. So I think Nick likes Putnam a little bit, right? Uh, it's my numbers, dude. I would go with Kim. He's so much longer off the tee, and he's actually had the ability to – top 20 events before and he's coming into good form he played pretty well last week how how did his swing look live in person roberto i was about to say he i really like sh kim he's yeah, someone he mashes the ball he's someone whom i want to bet on going on in the future i don't i don't know that the upside is there for him to win right now but i do think that he's a putter who he's a guy who's pretty long he puts pretty well he's around the green game solid his approach play just isn't there to win, but I think maybe if you want to do a top 10, let me see what his number is for that. Or like in this kind of field, I think that could work or maybe even he's a got top upside. 20. He's got yeah, some upside. I like, yeah. I like a top him. 20 could intrigue me for him, depending on what the price is. I'll get it for you right now. I couldn't get there in the out my outright market though. I got him at 111 to one. Like the, the, if I was to rank them, um, him would be first. Higo would be second. And, it's another spot where I guess I'm a little bit different than Nick. Like I'm generally out on Putnam this week. Um, I seem to be out on Putnam most of these events, but yeah, like I don't know what the upside is for SH Kim, but 25th overall in my model, negative trajectory for upside, uh, nice positivity when you're running this for safety of something like, you know, a, I mean, I don't, the top 40 price is going to be unbettable there, but maybe like a top 20 could make sense depending on, you know, what you can find. Plus 250 on bet 365 for top 25 and plus 550 for top 10. I mean, I don't, I don't hate a top 20 wager there. I think he's someone I'll target in future Ringing wages to get a better field. Like that, a, a plus 250 number, I think is definitely doable. Um, I'd have to run the math on it um, to give a better answer on it. But I would guess that that is not far off from what my model would have as proper. Like I, I would think somewhere in that like 225 range, just eyeballing it right now would probably be what I have as proper. And I think he's someone to watch out for because Spencer you we, and, and Nick, we all mentioned this when a player is young, who 
is good enough to be on the PGA Tour, even if they do have some holes in their games, and then they begin to improve those holes in their game while keeping their card a la Wyndham Clark, it, there is some upside there. And once you see those key metrics start to turn, there's going to be value in betting them for a period of time until they pop. Yeah, I agree. Nick, did you have someone between... Um, you, you did say Kim. Okay. Yes, um, absolutely. We'll do, one, we'll do one last one. Uh, Harry Hall, Matt Wallace, and Vincent Norman. Nick, we'll start with you. I'm going to go. I'm going Wallace. So I, I don't know how to phrase this because I don't want to oversell a player that's probably going to miss the cut. I did that with Alex <laughs> Norin, um, which ironically. Guilty maybe, as charged too. Yeah, maybe it's something about going to Sweden for these wagers here and trying to do this, but. I don't, I don't know, guys. I kind of like Vincent Norman this week from an upside perspective. The floor, couldn't tell you what it's going to be. He could come in dead last place, but he was one of the big climbers I had in my model because of his combination of, and it's a limited sample size, but of the distance and the long iron proximity. Uh, enough so to where as a top 10 or a 20 wager, it was highly enticing for me to try to go that route. And, you know, if he misses the cut, don't shoot the messenger on this because that's definitely in play. It's a, it's a very, it, it actually reminds me a lot of the Alex Norton situation at Augusta. Maybe not quite as much volatility, but I also don't know what Norman is from a skill set standpoint with the limited data that I have. But I, like that's the one wager that I highly consider trying to figure out a way to bring it onto the show. So I'm happy you asked the question with it because uh, it's good to at least mention the name, but I, I like him this week. I'm also very intrigued by Norman. I wanted to, I was hoping we could get a, a big number on him this week and we just didn't Me get too. it. Um, well, actually, I think I actually did bet him at open at like 175, but that number's gone. Um, just a tiny sprinkle because I don't think he has the upside on approach to win. And he's got a T21, a T16, and a T9 in his last five starts. But the T9 came at the Zurich in a partner event. And then the two top 21s came in opposite field events in weaker fields. Uh, we don't have the data for those opposite field events, unfortunately, which I think would paint a better picture of where his better individual upside is because he, those are his best two events so far this year on the PGA Tour. He's a rookie, so we just don't have as much data on him. But he is a player who has length off the tee, which gives him some upside and had a really strong putting week last week. So I'm intrigued by him going forward, especially to see as we get more data, like you mentioned, Spencer. So keep an eye on Vincent Norman, rookie on the PGA Tour this year. I think he's borderline bettable at 100 to 1. The, the 175 that you got is obviously a much better number there. Um, but I think it's bettable at a, at somewhere in that 100 to 1 range. And he's the only other person I have any, even a dime on besides the list this week, unfortunately. Um, but we'll we'll keep an eye on this. We'll see. Hopefully our little rapid fire segment gave people an idea of who we think has upside this week so that if a number or an opportunity presents itself in the live wagering market, you have a little bit more information that you can leverage to potentially make a winning play. Guys, any final thoughts this week? And where can we find the rest of your coverage this week, whether it's for golf or even the NFL draft? Spencer, I'll start with you. Yes. Yeah, so this is like the NFL draft is the one time of the year that I actually produce content that's uh, not only golf related with it. So uh, I have a bunch of NFL content that you can find over at Champions Round. I uh, broke down a mock draft there. You can find it, whether in an article or in a podcast form with that. And then, yeah, from a from a golf perspective with it, I'll have an article out tomorrow here at Action Network. 
Uh, hopefully there's something that I can find that becomes an intriguing wager to talk about for round one. I kind of always say that when we get these positions here and maybe it's not the best board to be betting, the best time to maybe jump into these events is from an in-tournament perspective. So uh, fingers crossed, at least we can find something from a round one matchup and kind of try to carry some of this momentum that I have seen this year in head-to-head wagers. So uh, you can find that there. And then as always, you can find my model over on Twitter at Sports. Awesome. How about you, Nick? Just on Action Network this week. Better Golf Pod is taking another bye week real quick, and then we'll get back at it for the Wells Fargo, but on Twitter at StixPicks, X-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S, and trailing anything Spencer does in the live market this week because he's just on fire all, all year long. So that'd be my piece of advice this week. Is right. this is is next week the week that uh, Jason Day wins the Wells Fargo? I think it's Xander, but Ooh. we'll see. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I I think we've we've. <laughs> it's always the, Xander, though. It's always Xander, and it's never Xander is the problem. <laughs> I'll be disappointed if it's Xander, as I've been betting him somewhat frequently after never betting him before the last month and a half. Um, I did it to so, you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the addiction <laughs> that it's like talking to the two of us every single week. <laughs> uh, you can just find me on the Gimme tomorrow with Jason Sobel at 5:30 p.m. Eastern, live on the Action Network YouTube channel. You can also find that. Uh, recorded as well hoping for some more markets to present themselves before that time so we can add some better plays to that card which is woefully bare at this point so fingers crossed um you can also find more of our golf betting content at the action network tons of content from a bunch of from a bunch of people and then we have the other links and locks podcast featuring our own Jason Sobel and the PGA Tours Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top 18 plays for this week's tournament. And then, of course, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our other awesome sports betting content. You've got everything from the NBA with all the chaos going on, my Miami Heat taking a 3-1 lead on the, the Milwaukee Bucks. We've got NFL draft content. We've got all kinds of NFL draft betting content, so be sure to check that out. I've already tailed a bunch of Brandon Anderson's picks for throughout the week and then uh you can also find us on twitter nick is at sticks picks with an x spencer is at t off sports i'm at roberto a213 and thanks again to everyone else who makes this podcast possible especially our producers noah sophia and matt thanks for tuning into our show this week and here's to hoping you hit the green down in mexico Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.